I'll give it to them. They, yeah. <laughs> they came out and played today. You know, yeah. it's uh, I was glad to see that they were executing. So yeah. it was nice to see. I mean, obviously you like to do you like to do well, and the offense likes to win. But you know, it's a team game. Yeah. When the fall comes, you need to be reminded that they can play, right? Yeah. yeah. We've been like kicking their butts lately, so <laughs> yeah. it was good to see the D line really stepped it up today. Got pressure on Clay and the other quarterbacks, so uh, that's going to be a focal point of our defense, the the D line. So they did really good today. What's up? We are back with another edition of the DNVR Rams podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. That was senior wide receiver Ty McCulloch talking to us about. The, uh, the scrimmage and kind of the, the story of the day, the, the headline was that defense wins the day. Really, probably for the first time this spring, I would say this was the, the, the first time that the defense came out on top consistently over the course of the three-hour practice, uh, scrimmage, whatever you want to call it. The Rams were in full pads. They did go live for a decent portion of the day. They also did some red zone drills. They did some individual position work, uh, a little bit of seven on seven. So very similar to the to the first scrimmage. It, it wasn't anything that complicated. Again, you know, Norvell's talked a lot about they're really just kind of trying to go out and, and trying to execute plays on, you know, both sides of the ball in a live scenario. Last week, the offense kind of had the upper hand really in general, you know, offense is, is going to have the upper hand when it comes to spring ball, training camp, that type of stuff. If your offense is is getting consistently stopped by the defense in those scenarios, that's that's extremely alarming. It, it kind of reminds me of, you know, the the Broncos training camp the, the last, God, I don't know, five six years really, since Peyton Manning retired. You know, every summer it would it would just the the talk of camp would be, oh man, you know, the the defense is dominating again, and and it's not to say that the Broncos didn't have talent on any of those defenses. But if they're owning every day in practice where it kind of inherently favors the offense, that's that's pretty alarming. It means generally that the offense isn't going to be very good, that you don't have a very good quarterback. And, and that's why I think it's it's been good that the offense has kind of hit the ground running these first four weeks or so. It's obviously brought in a lot of excitement back to the program. Everybody's, you know, thinking about wide receiver you and, you know, the possibility of the air raid and all of that. But I do think in a full contact scenario, which again is, is different than what the Rams do most days during practice, every now and then you do want your defense to win. And that's kind of what Jay Norvell said. Obviously, Ty alluded to it as well, you know, joked that they had been kicking the defense's butts of late. So it was good to see the defense, the defensive line in particular, come out and, you know, make an impact. I'd say what, what stood out the most was the pass rush. And again, that's kind of what, Jay Norvell talked about. It's what Ty talked about. The the D-line, the edge guys in particular, CJ Onyeki, the Rutgers transfer, uh, Mo Kamara, some of these guys, they they were just creating havoc in the backfield. I thought they did a nice job of consistently collapsing the pocket on the quarterbacks, forcing them to step up and, and make tough throws in traffic. And, you know, some of the time the, the quarterbacks were able to do it, but a lot of the times, you know, they, if it wasn't ruled a sack, because again, you know, you're not going to go out and blast Clay Millen or, or something like that. But if it wasn't ruled a sack, they were able to, the, the defense down the field, you know, whether it was a secondary or the linebackers were able to make plays as well. So it was just, it was good. It was good stuff altogether. Backup linebacker Devin Edwards was able to get an interception, as was Chase Wilson. 
both of those guys have flashed at various points throughout camp. I, I do expect them on the field at, at some point in the four two five. you know, you only have two true linebackers on the field at any point. So kind of limits some of their opportunities, but they, they do look good. Daquan Jackson had an interception during one of the, the red zone drills as well. Clay Millen kind of tried to force it, uh, kind of floated it up and DJ leapt up and, and made a nice jumping catch for the, for the interception in the red zone. The teammates mobbed him. His coaches mobbed him. It, it, it was a cool scene altogether. Just good vibes and, and whatnot. Um, things did get pretty chippy, and I'll, I'll talk about that later. But I, I would say this was easily the, the most physical that any of the practices have been. Daquan Jackson had a couple of hits in the open field where <laughs> you're kind of like, oh, shit. Uh, he popped Melquan Stovall on a slant in particular where you could hear it, you know, even from 50, 60 feet away. That thud, I mean, it, it stood out. And obviously, there hasn't been a ton of that just because they're not going full, full contact every day. And again, I think that's the right decision. But the the defense, they came to play. They were out with an edge. I thought Jackson was flying around. I already highlighted CJ Onyeki, who was really killing it at edge. But I, I was really impressed by Taiwan Francis. I, I felt like he was just all over the place. He had good coverage consistently down the field made some tackles in the run game, uh, hit a couple of guys as well to get pass breakups. I mean, it, I think he's going to thrive in this four two five. just kind of being able to roam around all over. You know, sometimes he's going to creep up near the line of scrimmage, but I do think he's pretty solid in, in coverage most of the time. The secondary as a whole just looks really athletic, at least the, the guys that are currently running with the ones. They don't have a ton of size. That's one of the things that worries me. I mean, as much as I like Jack Howell, as much as I like Taiwan Francis, and I'm very high on both of them, they aren't the the biggest DBs in the world. You know, they're not super physically imposing. I, I do wonder how they would match up against, you know, bigger receivers, bigger tight ends, stuff like that. But you've also got AJ King, who's going to kind of be that deep roaming safety, and he's got a little bit more size, obviously has experience in this system. Uh, transitions over from cornerback was a really good cornerback act, but I'm encouraged by those safeties. And then obviously you factor in Henry Blackburn into the equation as well. He's still wearing a uh, red Jersey. So not doing the, the full contact stuff. I'll be, I'll be interested to see if he plays in the spring game or not. My, my guess would be not just based on the, the amount of contact that he's done in the first two scrimmages, but we shall see there uh, really intrigued by the corners as well. Obviously, you get Anusium, who comes over from Cal, DeAndre Greeley, who comes over from the College of San Francisco. I felt like both of those guys flashed at, at various points, were, were solid in man-on-man coverage, just kind of making plays. I mean, that was, that was the difference this week compared to last week for the defense. Is I felt like when the opportunity to you know, get the tip ball interception, to come up with the pass breakup, to, to get the sack, last week the defense was always kind of a, a half second behind. This time around, I... I just felt like they were playing faster. It seems like they're getting more comfortable in Freddie Banks's system again. It's going to take a while to to get used to the four two five and your different roles, but it does definitely seem like guys are they're starting to get their their feet under them. You know, that was one of the things that I talked to Daquan Jackson about. So I'm going to go ahead and play that audio for you. Uh, before I do though, real quick, the NBA playoffs are here. That means next level basketball. There is nowhere you should be betting other than DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. They just had some awesome promos where you could bet $5. New customers could download the app, use the promo code DNVR, 
Then uh, they could bet $5 on anyone in the play-in tournament, and then they were going to get $150 in free bets no matter what. That's just the type of stuff that DK does. They are always hooking it up for the homies. And one of the features that I really enjoy is the same game parlay. This is where you combine multiple bets from the same game, get a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. For instance, you know, you could do Nikola Jokic, you know, over 31 points, you know, over 15 rebounds. Just expect him to go out there and and do Nikola Jokic things, you know, probably get that around, you know, plus 200 or so. It's a lot of fun. You are going to love it right now. Uh, all DraftKings customers can get a risk-free same-game parlay for the NBA playoffs up to $10. So even if you lose, you are going to get your bet back. Get a second chance to re-stack up that bankroll. Again, like why would you go anywhere else? DraftKings, they are the shit. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposits uh, do apply. Restrictions apply as well. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. And again, make sure you're using that code DNVR at DraftKings Sportsbook so they know that we sent you. I, th- I think that was a good that was a good thing because uh, even the defense, you know, practice got a little rough in the middle. We had a little bit of adversity and we was able to respond and, you know, come back in the end on top of, you know, kind of starting fast. So... I'm proud of the defense, the way we responded to adversity. Everything's not going to go right, you know, every play all the time. So I like, I think it was a good look today. Like I asked Ty, like he said, he had a bad day. But bad days sometimes are a good thing, are they not? Yeah, man, especially if you learn from it, you come out here and correct it the next time. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if you come out here and you make the same mistakes, then, I mean, you kind of move it backwards. But a bad day is not always a bad thing. Sometimes you need one of those days to realize where you need to get better at and the things you need to study. Like over the weekend right now, we got... You know, a little time to get away from the physical aspect. Even though it's Easter, you know, maybe we could go in there and fix a few things over the weekend. Have you have you had a day in camp where you thought you left the field, I didn't do very well, and did it serve you well? I mean, I think uh, it was an earlier day in camp. Uh, one of those days I was still learning. It was like a new install. Uh, I was kind of hard on myself, but that's how I like to be. Um, I didn't think I had a great day executing. But, I mean, I still had good effort that day. I took it as it was, and I went home and fixed it. I came back and had one of the best days of my spring after that. And then today, I mean, I, personally, I didn't make a few of the plays that I should have made, in my opinion, but I made a lot of plays. So, I mean, you got to take it for what it is. You got to you gotta realize that, you know, it's never as good as or as bad as it seems. And you got to go home and study and come back and ready to compete again. Did it feel like uh, defensively you guys, you know, moved the intensity level up, you know, different than where it was last week? Uh, I think so. I think um, offense came out today and showed us a few things, and um, we we still responded. So uh, I think the intensity, I think we had good intensity last week, honestly, but I think this week we did bring it again, and I I think uh, iron sharp is iron. So somebody's going to have a bad day here and there. Somebody's going to have a good day. It's going to be ups and downs in practice sometime, and and if you don't, then, I mean, you might not have the best team because you don't have, you know, the, the even it out. So I think uh, that's pretty good. Is this a good session to have to set you up for the spring game when everybody wants to be at their best? Yeah, I, I think, uh, like Coach said, we want to finish on the rise. Mm-hmm. So um, one of these sessions right here will show you, like, you know, we got a few things to work on, like I was saying, and, you know, we'll be able to pick it up, and, and hopefully everybody's executing at a high level next week. I mean, it's still the spring. We're still learning. It's always going to be like that. But, I mean, the coaches are trying to help us there taking some of the install off and, you know, allowing us to, you know, get used to what we have been running and play fast. You had an interception on Clay in the red zone over there. 
teammates come mob you, the coaches are mobbing you. I mean, you're a veteran player, but that's got to feel good. It's got to give you more energy when you've got that support. Oh, it's always good. I told my linebackers um, down there in the Indy before we started. <coughs> Sorry. Oh, but I told them, uh, let's, let's, let's create turnovers today. And uh, actually, we all went out there and kind of made some things happen. So when it came to me, I was tired. You know, we needed a play. They were working down to the red zone. And when I went up there and grabbed the thing and the team rushed the field, I, it feels good because you know you set the tone. You made a play for the team. And as a Mike linebacker, that's something I want to do all the time. I want to bring the juice and I want to be the leader of the defense. So when I make a play like that and everybody's hype, I know I'm doing good out here and um, I want to keep doing that. How comfortable are you starting to feel in the system defensively? Do you feel like guys are starting to play faster just given that Almost they know definitely. it more? Especially over this last week. I think um, up until that last scrimmage, we were, we were still kind of learning. We, we executed all right last scrimmage, but just this week, I think a lot uh, less, you know, mental errors and stuff like that. And just allowing us to go play fast, not worry about making a mistake. Um, of course, you're still going to make some, but just overall execution going up. And I think that uh, that's going to be good for us in the long run. If we can get some of that stuff down now, we won't have to start from square one when we come back. How important is to do well next week? Because next week, that's the last impression you leave on the coaches for, uh, for months. How important is it to do well next week? Oh, uh, no, it's important. Uh, you you don't get another chance to, to go play actual football again into fall camp. So, I mean, it's, it's good to show the coaches. It's good to get the community excited. And then, most importantly, it's good to show your teammates that they can trust you. You go into one of these spring games, it's really about the team. Like, you got to know the guy next to you is going to do his job, and, and that's a perfect opportunity. Most likely, whatever you do in the spring game is what's going to last on the guy's head. Like, if you're one of those guys who make mistakes and stuff, you got to get it fixed because you don't want, like, the whole offseason for a guy to be looking at you like, we need you to pick it up. We, we would rather everybody be working in the same direction. How much have a- you missed this spring game? <coughs> it's been a couple of years since you guys That's have had to have a real one with fans and stuff. I mean, I haven't had a spring game here, yeah. and I've been yeah. here. Yeah. You know, yeah, this is my fourth year. Hasn't been yeah, uh, one year we had a blizzard or something like that. Then we had COVID, and then the other time it was a practice. So uh, I'm excited to have a spring. I don't really don't know what it feels like to have an actual spring game in college. It's sad to say, but uh, I think uh, we, hey, let's take advantage of it. I want to get the guys excited. You know, coach taught us we're gonna treat it like a game. Come out here dressed in game day gear and stuff like that. First chance for. Guys, to get a real feel for it. Hopefully, you know we got a, a good fan show, a fan turnout, and guys can, you know, get that feel of playing under pressure and playing with the lights on, even though it'll be in the daytime. I think that that'll be good for guys. Yeah. All right, big thanks to Daquan Jackson for giving us a few moments of his time. Always a great interview, and I think just going to be a really important piece for the defense this year. It's good to hear that everybody is is starting to get more comfortable in the system. It's good to see that they're playing faster. I'll be really intrigued how the defense looks in the spring game. Gonna be a gonna be a tough task trying to stop that air raid. As far as the offense goes, the the QB as a whole, the QB room as a whole just didn't look quite as sharp in this one. There were still some moments, you know, where they, they made nice throws. Clay Millen had a couple. Uh, Pooler had a couple. Evan Olace actually had a couple as well. I uh, got to see Braden Fowler, Nicolosi, as well as Jackson Stratton. I felt like those two guys and uh, Pooler struggled a little bit more than they did the week before. But again, you know, there's still plenty to be encouraged about when it comes to those guys. Just a lot of raw arm talent, but 
you know, it was a day where the, the defense made some plays. Again, the, the linebackers were able to, to pick off the backups a couple of times during the scrimmage. Millen threw a pick as well, but it was not during the scrimmage portion. There are going to be days like that. You know, I think the, the best thing so far from Millen has been his consistency. I don't think it was a, a bad performance by any means. And, and even Norvell afterwards, I asked him, you know, is it safe to say that the defense won the day? And, you know, he agreed, but he was, you know, a little bit hesitant because it, it wasn't like the defense dominated. It wasn't like the offense looked bad. The defense just kind of had the upper hand. I'm not worried about the quarterbacks at all, but I do think the spring game in particular is going to be really important for for Pooler and for Stratton and, and for Braden Fowler just because, you know, you, you have only one opportunity, you know, to, to kind of leave that final impression going into the summer. It's going to be the ones versus everybody, and I'm going to talk about what the spring game is going to look like a little bit later, but that's going to be a chance for some of those guys to kind of take the reins for to, somebody to you know, kind of leave that lasting impression that, Hey, I should be the backup. I should be the the guy that we go to if something were to happen to Millen or, you know, if he plays poorly. So I think the, the spring game in particular is going to be really important for those other quarterbacks Millen too. I mean, I, even if he plays poorly, you know, I, I don't think that's going to change anything. Like he's QB one, but I'd say that, uh, the, the spring game is going to be bigger for the quarterbacks than, than most positions, you know? And, and that's why I'm not really that worried that it wasn't, a stellar day this time around because you know you got another week it's been really good over the last four weeks the the sample size says that they're in good hands uh, in the backfield Ajon Vivens continues to look really good had a really electric run that went for about 30 yards where it, it kind of looked like it was going to get blown up in the backfield but he was able to cut avoid contact and then just go I mean his ability to make one cut and then just hit a hole man like a like a freight train that burst is just so refreshing to see. I mean, I, you know, I'm not trying to take shots at David Bailey or anything like that, but I, I felt like as the year went on last year, it just kind of looked like he was running in sand. And again, I think a lot of that had to do with how banged up he was. And, you know, just the fact that they gave him way too many carries early on. But Ajon is just a guy that has felt underutilized now, really his entire CSU career. I mean, he comes in as a wide receiver. It was clear that he had playmaking abilities, they end up moving him to the backfield, which I think is good. I think he is a, a better running back than receiver. The uh, the receiving background is going to be huge in this offense, but that's just a guy that that runs hard, runs like his head's on fire, and it's a lot of fun. He He's super fluid in the open field, uh, can make you miss, but doesn't shy away from contact. I'm pretty encouraged about, about the role that he is going to have, and I just I think they have a nice mix. You mix in him with Avery Morrow, who's more of a a bigger, you know, run it down your your throat type back. He's not quite as elusive as Ajon is, but definitely a lot bigger, stronger. And obviously he already knows the the offense. So it, it was him and Ajon that were running with the ones. Uh David Bailey was out there this time around. If you listen to the podcast last weekend, he was not in that first scrimmage. He appears to be running back three on the depth chart right now. I don't believe he got any reps with the ones, at least not that I saw. If he is on the team still this fall, I, I think he'll probably be that running back three. But again, you know, we'll kind of see if he's still around or not. The, the counter is, you know, I, I don't really know where else he would go, but we'll see. I don't know. We we shall see. It's, it's really hard for guys to go from starter to, you know, third, fourth on the depth chart. So that could be a situation that sours. Um, yeah, 
we'll, we'll just monitor it, I guess. Another thing that I'm going to monitor is just kind of how they ultimately use Dante Wright and Melquan Stovall. Right now, it feels like they're going to play similar roles. Wright definitely ran less with the ones today than I expected. But I don't think that's necessarily an indicator that he's going to be a backup or something like that. I think it's more about the fact that they don't have the the depth. They don't have the amount of bodies that they need right now to practice the way that they want to in this offense. And so I think you just kind of mix it up. I mean, you've got to have a, a couple of decent receivers out there with the the twos as well. And, you know, otherwise, how are you going to really gauge anything? Like if the only reps you're, you're getting are, you know, with a bunch of freshmen that don't know the system and, and walk-ons and stuff like that. But uh, it was interesting. I've had some people reach out to me about that and ask. Again, I think it's more about just getting him if him and Melquan are, are going to be doing similar things, you might as well have them both do it, get as many reps as they can with it instead of like splitting it up. But it was just interesting to see like you have Horton and, and Ty McCulloch who have kind of been exclusively running with the ones. And then you have Melquan and Dante have done a little bit of, of everything. And again, I think some of it just has to do with, with depth. That's not perfect. We see it way more on the defensive side. Like, once you get out of the ones, they'll have some situations where it's like you have, you know, the number two linebackers with the number three defensive lines, but the starting corners on the field, like it, it can get really wonky. I don't think you want to get too carried away as far as trying to like forecast the depth chart. You know, again, I know I've thrown out some stuff there like Millen is obvious. Horton is obvious. Um, but with some of this stuff, I think it's more just about the, the lack of bodies and, and kind of getting creative, trying to get everybody as many reps as they can. Also trying to, you know, give the quarterbacks a chance to, to have a productive offense again. Like if they're only working with, with walk-ons, that's a, that's a tough role. Uh, the O-line was the same as last week. They did not play as well though. Again, you know, nothing to, to panic over. I, I wouldn't say they got torched, but they definitely got worked over a little bit. Uh, you could see it. It started to get under their skin things got pretty heated in this one. There was a ton of trash talking and some of it was, was pretty intense. I, I would, you know, I've been around it. It's not anything to freak out over. That's a part of football, but there's like a line and, and you can tell when guys are John, when it's just kind of John and you can tell when guys are, you know, legitimately beefing and there was some beef. I mean, it, it didn't cross the line, but there was one situation where kind of a fight almost broke out between the, between the offensive line and the defensive line during a red zone scenario took a while to, to get broken up. You could tell the coaches were starting to get a little bit annoyed. Jay Norvell actually came running over and said if they, they didn't get lined up and, you know, kick the extra point because this happened after a touchdown was scored, then they were going to have to run a lap. Everybody got focused after that. They got in a couple of more reps, ended up ending uh, a little bit shorter than planned. And I wonder if some of that had to do with tempers flaring but ultimately, you know, I don't, I don't have any problems with it. it. It's good to see that the guys care. It's good to see everybody competing. And so long as, you know, lines aren't cross, you don't want to see people taking cheap shots, throwing punches, anything like that. And none of that happened. A little bit of shoving, you know, a little bit of trash talking, a little bit of MFing after, after a play. I don't, I don't have any beef with that. All right, we're going to wrap up here just with some thoughts on the upcoming spring game, and then I'm going to play some more audio from Jay Norvell just kind of talking about it and what he wants to see out of it, you know, inviting everybody to come out, all that fun stuff. Real quick, though, I do want to tell you guys about Ripple, a fast-acting, dissolvable, clinically proven to hit two times faster than the leading gummy. 
Ripple starts absorbing within 10 minutes, so you can depend on a consistent experience every time. With Ripple Dissolvables, you can make anything inedible. It's flavorless, a dissolvable powder. You can even pour it right on your tongue. It's actually the fastest way to get THC. Ripple products come in a variety of doses for whatever experience you're looking for. And what's really cool is there's no sketchy science here. Ripple's speed and absorption were studied at Colorado State University, go Rams, in a randomized placebo-controlled trial with real people. The results were published in a peer-reviewed journal, Science, and uh, it rules. I I could not say enough good things about Ripple. Where can you find it? Of course, at Colorado's premier dispensary, Lightshade. They have 11 convenient Denver Metro and Aurora locations. They just opened one off uh, Barnum, one block off of 6th Avenue and Federal Boulevard. It's the biggest Lightshade store. They have specialty products not offered at any other location. And with 420 coming up, they have some really killer 420 specials going from April 20th all the way through the 26th. Their five best-selling products will be buy one, get one for $1. Again, all the way from the 20th to the 26th. They offer something for everyone from the casual consumer to the connoisseur. Lightshade has a premium selection of cannabis concentrates, top shelf flour, edibles, tinctures, accessories, and more. And what is bitchin' is our podcast listeners can get 25% off non-sale items when you use the code DNVR. You heard me right, 25% off non-sale items. You're getting something like an ounce. That's a that's a big difference. One-fourth of your purchase. You can shop online at lightshade.com. Pick up at the nearest location near you. Again, go check out Ripple. You will love it. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, CSU now 80% of the way through spring ball officially got one week left practice on Tuesday and Thursday. And then of course we wrap up with the first real green and gold game on campus since 2017. It's crazy that it's been that long. Uh, That one was over at the lagoon. They wore the gray uniforms. Nick Stevens threw what was a a game winning touchdown uh, for the ones to BC Johnson, I believe. I'd have to go back and, and find that video. But for the, the the last couple of years, whether it was because of injury status, just not having enough bodies on the team, uh, coaching philosophy, Mike Bobo just didn't really host uh, green and gold, like true scrimmages at the end. It was more just more glorified practices. You know, it, it just hasn't happened these past couple of years. And I think it's been a a big shame. It's It's been really disappointing for the fans who want an opportunity to, to be connected to the team, who want to see, you know, how everybody's doing. And I think Norvell bringing it back, one, it makes sense, obviously, given the the state of the pandemic's a little bit better. It's a little bit under more control, under control, at least, you know, you have people going to stuff, you know, why, why wouldn't you have a spring game at this point? Um, but I think he just, he understands, you know, which which traditions should stick around and you know, which ones are a little bit silly. Like I've, I've really hyped him up for not operating like most college football coaches around the country, which is trying to pretend it's rocket science, closing everything off, limiting access. He's been completely open. That's been great, but he also understands, you know, there are parts of it like the spring game that you should embrace, you know, you should embrace any opportunity you have to, to get with the community, to get with the people that support your program, the diehards, the fans, that's what the spring game is all about, as well as, you know, just kind of giving the players a chance to have fun. You know, it's a celebration of, of the hard work that they've put in. They've been busting their tails for the last month. And now you get a, a chance to go out there and, and compete. You know, it's not a real game, but it, it's about as close as you can get. 
The, uh, the format is going to be ones versus the world. So it's going to be the starters versus everybody else. The, uh, the everyone else, the reserves, they're going to get some type of lead, not, not officially handicapped yet, but Norvell said it'd be something like probably 17 zero or so. And the ones have to catch up. I'm personally really looking forward to it. I know the fans are too. So we're just going to close out the podcast. I was some audio from Norvell talking about the spring game, inviting everybody back out should be a lot of fun. I know I'm looking forward to it. All right. As always, thank you for listening to the DNVR Rams podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Here's that audio from Norvell. Hope everybody has a phenomenal holiday weekend. Uh, happy Easter to those that celebrate. If you don't, I hope you just enjoy your Sunday. Much love to all of you. Peace. I know you said you're really just running plays, not really a true game, but is it fair to say that defense kind of won the day today? I mean, they, they made some plays. I mean, there was a lot of things that we did short yardage in the red zone. Uh, we did well offensively. Um, some of the drills, I thought I thought the defense really came through, um, really did well. I thought the pass rush was really good, you know, and, and, and that's good. I mean, that's good good for the Rams when the <laughs> pass rush is good. I mean, we, we do need to play great defense and we need to stop people. And so I was pleased to see that. What will the spring game look like next week? Oh, we'll make some announcements about that, but we'll, we'll, uh, um, the way that we've always done it, I've done it this way my whole career since I was with coach Fry is it's ones against the world. So we'll go ones against the world and, um, we'll usually spot the twos, I haven't handicapped it yet, but I'll come out on Monday and, and say, but it'll probably be around 17 points. Well, the, the twos will get. And so the ones start behind and then yeah. they got to catch up, but uh, it'll be a good competitive game. We'll, we'll run 15 minute quarters. We'll stop the clock in the first half and the second half. We'll probably run the clock, um, but it'll be a good way to finish spring, get everybody out here in canvas and, finish on a high nose say the csu hasn't had a spring game in like five years is it gonna be fun for you to you know like you say i guess a early chance for fans to get out and see, see the team build excitement absolutely i encourage everybody to come out you know uh, uh to me the spring game has always been a celebration and and we're trying to make it a big event you know we have a, a grit run for cystic fibrosis which is a charity that's really um, dear to my wife and i um and we really just have been over the top uh, uh, grateful how the universities embrace that and, and help promote it. Um, I think we got about 200 people running already, which is amazing. And uh, just really grateful for that. Then we got the spring game, which is always the first opportunity to see uh, the team for this season. And so um, it's a precursor to the fall. So we, we, we really encourage everybody to come out and see us um and then after the game we have a free clinic for the kids and that's one of the most amazing things you'll ever see uh anybody that brings their kids to the game after the game our players will stay on the field we'll have different drills set up and uh they'll be out here interacting with our players and running around on the field in canvas and you know when you're a kid you get to be on the big field where everybody plays it's you just don't get to do it very often so we're going to give all the kids that opportunity and so it should be a great spring celebration down here on campus, and we encourage everybody to come. Yeah, one week left. Are, are yeah. you pleased with where you're at as a program? Yeah, you know we're 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 a work in progress. Uh, um, I think we're learning so much by the way that we're practicing, and uh, this was an important lesson today for our guys. Uh, 
Um, and so we'll continue to take them as far as we can um, and try to develop as much understanding and execution in, in the next three days that we can. How important is it for these guys to make an impression? Because this is the last time for next next week. It's the last time you can see them on tape before you get down to the summer. Yeah, it is important. Every day is an evaluation. Um, and so, you know, and they know that, you know, we're watching everything they do. Um, we don't have a lot of guys standing around in practice. So everybody that comes on the field is on film. Uh, we're giving them a chance to show what they can do. And we're getting a top to bottom evaluation of our roster. And so, you know, this roster will look different in the fall when we start practicing again in August. Um, some guys will be here, some guys won't be here, and uh, we'll bring in some new freshmen. So uh, it is important for them to compete and, and show, show themselves well.